Hello everyone, welcome back to Easy Conversations. I just want to start off by saying thanks to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring the homie Farid. You killed it, man. Looking forward to catching up with you again and having you on the pod again down the road. So for this episode, this is actually the first time I'm doing the intro separately because I'm right now I'm alone recording this. It's the first time that I'm actually interviewing or speaking with someone that I don't know. It's um, Mark Sullivan's brother-in-law's brother, I believe, is how it goes. And um, for me, this is pretty cool. First time uh, speaking with someone over FaceTime that I've never met before. So we've come a long way in easy conversations from just chatting up, having a bottle of wine, talking about whatever with the just people I know, and now uh, looking to branch out a little bit, meet some new people. So I'm really excited. I'm going to be calling him shortly. And yeah, I guess we can just dive in right there. You'll see what the what the episode's all about. I hope you enjoy, and uh, yeah, I'm super excited for this. Enjoy the podcast. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm extremely excited to introduce a friend of a friend to the podcast, like myself, full-time government worker, who follows his passion on a part-time basis, coaches hockey um, around Ottawa, and does some scouting for the OHL Sault Ste. Marie Marie Greyhounds organization. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm pleased to introduce Kyle Barber to the podcast. Say what's up to the people. Hey everybody, what's going on? Alright, so where I want to start off with you is basically just to give us a brief overview of your journey through the hockey world, through um, being a player, I'm assuming, and then what led you really to get into coaching and eventually scouting? So maybe we could start off with where you where you started playing and where did your interest in coaching come from? Uh, basically, I uh, to be to be perfectly honest, I, I I played hockey, played at a kind of a couple lower level competitive levels, and then uh, when it was over, it's just it's just not the same. You play men's league, and it's not quite the exact same as you remember it, right? Like that competitive yeah. drive's not there. Um, then I thought I was going to go to teacher's college. And so I thought maybe like coaching would be look, look good on that resume. And uh, so I just kind of kept going through there. And then I had a buddy who kind of was coaching a competitive team of 10-year-olds and kind of dragged me into it from there. And then I showed up the first day and I loved it. And I just, that's kind of all I wanted to do after that. So Okay, right on. So what levels specifically are you coaching right now? Because actually it's funny. One of my buddies I work with, you coached them, him when he was younger, Nick Lanzer. I don't know if that name rings oh, a bell. Yeah, no, Lanzer's a good kid, yeah. Um, yeah, he played on that 96 team, so I'm sure any stories he told you was uh, when I was really young in my coaching career, and I'm kind of kind of mellowed out a little bit since then. But yeah, he's, uh, he's a great kid, actually. Yeah, he told me you were um, a good uh, player's coach and used to, quote, rip top cheddar on goalies in practice, so uh, no mercy there. <laughs> Yeah, there was no mercy. I thought like maybe somebody would be watching that I could actually get a contract out of it afterwards. But yeah, I uh, I'd go pretty hard in practice back then, and then as I started to get older, I'd start to slow down, and I just kind of blow the whistle now. But uh, now I'm now I'm not really coaching anywhere in terms of competitive hockey. I got two young boys who are uh, in initiation, so I coach their team uh, out in Osgood, Rito, and then uh, so I've been doing that for two years now, and then I I just kind of. Uh, take spring hockey spots here and there as I go so okay so was that something that yeah. as you started to get experience coaching is that was that a world you maybe sought to move up in and now you have your boys you're going to coach them throughout their 
playing career or wherever that might be possibly? Yeah, like I always thought I could maybe like get on with a junior team or like junior B, junior A, and like maybe if I got good enough, I go to Wichel. Um, I've been lucky enough; I had some good opportunities. I, I coached uh, minor midget AAA. I coached uh, in the AAA with the with the 67s for for three seasons as a head coach, one as an assistant, and I had some good opportunities there. Um, with coaching the boys, it was more just I kind of wanted to have. Uh, kind of wanted to be involved and kind of make hockey fun for them and trying to help out as much as I could with what I've learned over the years coaching um so I've kind of that's kind of how I got into it I don't know if I'm going to coach them the whole way up uh, I don't know if both of them are going to want to play one of them is really in love with hockey and the other one just he's happy to go once a month so yeah. um and I might pass it off to somebody maybe be a trainer and like those guys are always the guys that everybody loves on the team anyway oh, so maybe I'll do 100%. that yeah yeah, my dad was actually a trainer for myself and my brother, and everyone just loved the guy. It's a like little yeah. less uh, pressure on you, really. There, just uh, yeah, well, a yeah. character unless guy. There's an in, in, unless there's an injury, then then yeah, there's a yeah. little less pressure. But every, everybody loves the trainers. I've I've been lucky to have a couple of good ones. Uh, my buddy John Bonner is a really good one, and then my other buddy Mike Edmonds has been really good on the bench too. So, um, if you get a good trainer, you're always in good hands. They say so. It's yeah, hundred percent, and. Um, how exactly did you get into scouting now for the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds? I feel like that's very interesting and something I want to talk about with you is the tracking the progression and trying to identify potential in kids at such a young age. I feel like is like I was talking to Nick the other day, he was saying it's almost impossible. So when you're scouting, how do you make, now don't take this too highly there, the impossible possible? Um. It's, uh, well, like, how I got started was uh, I, I started just through coaching. They, uh, the OHL would run these uh, U15 Program of Excellence camps, and uh, I just kind of, I, I got to know a few people through there, and uh, one of the people is, uh, is the GM of the Sioux Greyhounds now, Kyle Raftis, and they had, they had a need uh, for an Ottawa scout, and uh, he approached me about if I was interested, and that's kind of how I got into scouting from there. And, Obviously, I, I grew up in Sault Ste. Marie. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the team that I grew up cheering for. I always wanted to play for them. And then that's kind of like, I, it, it was just something that, like, it was it was a natural fit. Like, even my parents now, if I need them to watch the boys, I got to go on a scouting trip. My wife's got plans. Like, so they're like, we're busy. We can't do it. And I'm yeah. like, it's for the, it's for the hounds. And they're like, all right, cool. We'll cancel our plans. So, like, they're all on board. And they're, everybody's a fan. And that's kind of, like, the hardest thing for me is to kind of go up there and not just be a fan and take pictures of the dressing room and stuff like that and I'm right. actually up there to work so that's kind of I got to check myself a little bit so yeah but uh in terms of identifying talent like uh it's it, it is very difficult like you're, it's almost in some respects a little bit harder than say like an, an NHL scout you know who's got an extra couple years of like high-end development of these players to take a look at so uh, we mostly will for the draft we take a look at 15 year olds um and then you kind of you take a look at a couple of things that your team's looking for. So, like everybody, like the way the, play, the game's played now, you, you want to ha- like predicate everything on speed. So, if your players are like, this kid can really skate, his edge work's good, um, and then it's plus, plus, plus from there. So, you continue to just, just hopefully that the, this player will, will take off. And like 15 year olds, you never know, right? Like they're always, want, maybe they're not interested or maybe they're not going to put the work in, but like hopefully you, you, you surround them with good people and. And they develop and they go from there so yeah no it's definitely something it's like very difficult to track if it's they're gonna turn out to live up to their potential that people have been putting pressure on them since they're like 
10 years old, like no word of a lie. I heard someone say to my dad once about his own kid, we were like 11 at the time, that he was going to be the next Wayne Gretzky. And I don't know how you say that about your own kid, how my dad didn't start laughing at him, but I don't know. I feel like kid, parents nowadays also put a lot of pressure on these kids. And we've seen a lot of kids who are tout, highly touted at a young age make it to the OHL, but then that's a, you got to be the best at that level as well. So I feel like it's, it's very difficult for, um, yeah. for a scout, especially for yourself, to find these kids and like you're taking a shot really in the dark for some of these kids, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, you, like sometimes you're hoping that something will pan out or, or maybe they'll grow. But for the most part, like I think with our scouting staff, and I think we're fairly confident that every player we select has a very good opportunity that, you know, even if things work out, they could play there. So they've got like one or two tools that, that potentially they, they, that they, if they develop and some kids that are picked probably earlier kind of can't miss kids a lot of times, right? And they, right. they usually develop and they take the next step. In terms of uh, putting pressure on, on, par- on uh, by the parents, uh, on the players and, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's I don't want to comment on how anybody like raises their yeah. kids and stuff like that, but like I, I hear a lot of parents sometimes say like, well, the odds of making the NHL are slim. I'm like, well, don't ever tell that to a kid, right? Like, That's chase true. the dream as, right. mu- as, as much as they want to chase it, chase it. But like, make sure it's their dream is kind of the, the biggest thing. Like, um, like it, it's, it's hard when one of my kids doesn't want to go to the rink in the morning, but. It, if he wants to stay home and eat Eggos and play yeah. PlayStation, that's that, that's what he wants to do. He's six years old, you know what I mean? And the other guy's ready to go, and some mornings he doesn't really want to go either, so I don't push him, and I'll just go coach the other kids, and that's fine with me. But it's, right. uh, it's got to be their dream, in my opinion. And if they want it, they'll put the work in, and then like however they want to go, I think if a parent's there to support, great. But like I don't think anybody would be the next Gretzky, you know what I mean? There's, I think there's only one of those. So. Yeah, no, well said for sure. And when you say that you look for, like, speed is really a can't-miss attribute for a kid to have nowadays. And now, like, as the game's transitioning towards speed, like you said, you're, um, I guess you can put stock in a kid, an undersized player, like a defenseman even, where, like, my brother actually went through the process of the OHL draft, and he was top 10 in his scoring as an undersized defenseman and didn't get drafted. The OHL, and that was a tough moment for sure. But it's good to see how the game nowadays is transitioning towards people are looking for those kind of players nowadays, even as a defenseman. Whereas before it was all like you had to be six foot three at by the time you're 16 years old, right? Otherwise you'd be overlooked. Yeah, no, I, I, like, and then or you get that late bloomer card, that kid that grows at like 18. But I, I think if you can skate, you can play the game. Like I, you can probably play at any size now, and I, I don't think that's something that I really factor into too much. Like, obviously, if, if you can skate and you're big, like, there's a plus. But it's, if you can skate and play the game and move pucks, um, I, like, I don't, I don't think see height as being an issue at all. Like, it's just, it's, if you can play, you can play. And if you can skate, you can skate, right? And that's the way it's moving. And I think, like, especially as leagues seem to be moving, like, even the NHL and the OHL seem to be moving away from fighting a little bit. Like, you, you're not going to see these, these big players that don't play a role. Like, everybody's got to be able to play. Yeah. All four lines, everybody's got to be able to skate, and everybody's got to be able to contribute. So I think that's what, what everybody, every team's looking for, not only us. So. Absolutely. So now, as I asked you before about if you're hoping to move up in the coaching world, now maybe is scouting something that you'd look to further your professional career even into maybe getting into, I guess this would be amateur scouting, and then maybe you'd get into pro scouting possibly. That's, would that be something you'd be interested in? 
Yeah, I think, like, definitely, like, the, the dream as you're a kid is always to get the NHL, and obviously that, that's not going to happen as a, as a player for me because no one's drafting a 35-year-old uh, dad of two um, who works at, the, works at the federal government. But uh, if, if there was an opportunity to, to work in the NHL, sure, that'd be great. It would be really hard to, uh, to step away from some from the Greyhounds, like I, I really enjoy everybody I work with there, and I get treated treated really, really well. So obviously that would be something to consider. And then you're walking away from a federal government pension too. Let's say you know what I mean. Because scouting is usually full time, and you're on the road a lot, and that's another pressure on the family and the kids. And so it'd be something to consider. But I definitely don't think I'd I'd turn down an opportunity if if, if the fit was right. But I definitely a couple of our guys um, actually moved up to the NHL this year. Right. By all accounts, they're, they're enjoying the experience. It would definitely be something I consider for sure. Yeah, and how much traveling is there for you as of right now? Like you mentioned, you're scouting in the Ottawa area, but are you strictly scouting within, like, let's say, two hours in and out of Ottawa, or are you going on trips further out even to, like... Uh, it's it usually, sure like, I'll, like for primarily, I'll scout the, uh, the, the HEO Midget League, um, and that kind of is usually... Most of the games are played at Bell Science Plex or Ridgecraft, so you know where you're going pretty well every week. There's not a ton of travel around in that. But so for your big tournaments, so your 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 Titans tournament, your at the start of the year, your Whippy Silver Stick, Marley's tournament, OHL Cup, those are those are the big ones. And uh, I think you pretty well have to scout other areas as well. Otherwise, you just get too focused on on your area. And you have to see what else is out there, and then kind of gives you kind of a baseline for what exists out there for the rest of the draft and you can kind of compare the kids back home so yeah. so, I think, does, so so in terms of travel yeah. it's it's probably toronto maybe three four times a year okay. i've been down to detroit a couple times and check out the american american players as well and um but it, it's not it's not too too bad it's nothing usually longer than maybe four days away so okay right on man and um do the Greyhounds give you like an assignment maybe like they've zoned in on a certain player or two on a certain team they'll tell you watch this player specifically or do they leave it entirely up to you to see who's out there and who's looking good and do you put specific stock in like advanced stats and analytics when you're looking at a player maybe they might not get on the score sheet but they're doing stuff away from the puck position wise and just playing a full 200-foot game. I know I got a lot in that question, but uh, maybe you can break that down for me. <laughs> uh, I, I, like in terms of analytics, I don't, I don't particularly use a lot of them. I think I'm a little bit late to the game in terms of understanding analytics, to, to be honest with you. Um, I, like I've, I've read a few books. I'm starting to learn. I'm asking a lot more questions, and I definitely see the value in it. And it's really interesting, some of the stats you can pull from it. Uh, but in terms of scouting, I really don't do... I really don't use it a whole lot. Like, if there's a player that's doing something away from the puck, I think I can use a little bit of my scout and my, my coaching background in order to see, okay, that's a useful player that a coach is going to love. He works hard in his own end. He kills penalties. He blocks shots. That's more of that, well, the stuff that I'll put into a report. Um, in terms of specific assignments, it, it'll depend. Um, like, a lot of it's like we scout the OHL as well to kind of give opinions on, on, on different players. So if, if I'm asked, I'll do it. But for the most part, it's more, more or less just get out to games, watch, and give your opinion. And if you see something that, that really needs to stand out, say something right away. So that's kind of, or flag it in a report, and then, like, tell your GM, your assistant GM. So. Okay, that's awesome. And is it kind of like, um, so is this a paid position that you're in, or is it just as um, a consultant? Or Because I feel like that's just a super interesting, at the very least, secondary passion or hobby even if like i would do that if i wasn't even paid to be honest i'd love to get out and just i love just watching hockey right so 
I'm just interested to, um, as to how compensation works really for that field. Yeah, it's it's uh, we get paid. It's uh, it, it it's 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 a little bit of money. It's uh, it's like you're not gonna you quit quit your day job over it. But uh, we, we're definitely compensated for our time, and then uh, like our accommodations on the road are taken care of as well. So it's uh, they like I said they like they, they, they treat us like gold. They, they like I really can't say anything negative about, about the way we're treated, and, and the players are treated up there like up in the soup that they they're treated great as well. So it's uh, it's really top first class organization. So. Okay, nice. But yeah, interesting, interesting story on that is like when I signed up my first year, like I don't even think I, I knew what I was getting paid until probably like about a month into doing it. I was just so excited that it was the Greyhounds. I didn't even talk money or ask money or anything yeah. like that. I was just, I was just so excited that my wife's like, are you getting paid? I'm like, I don't even know. So, <laughs> just happy to be here, you know? Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they gave me a shirt with a logo on it and I've been in the dressing room. That's all I wanted to do when I was a kid, so it didn't matter. But. Yeah, and that's been a successful organization for a few years now. I don't follow the OHL as much as I used to when we knew people playing in there, but I think there's still like with guys like you at the helm of scouting. You know how can things go wrong? Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's nice of you to say. Thanks very much. But yeah, no, the the, the team's been doing great, and uh, like I said, the foundation all the way down from the GM all the way down to everybody in the organization is is, is really good, and um, the, the the success has been shown on the ice the last last few years. That's for sure. So other than minor hockey, do you get out also to watch junior hockey as well? Do you mix in some, I guess NCAA wouldn't really be in your realm like for scouting purposes, but would you get out to watch junior games as well to see if they could like sign someone on a PTO? Or I don't, I'm not exactly sure how that works in the OHL, but... Yeah, actually, yeah, that, that's on the part that uh, I think like I don't talk about all, all that often is this, I do a lot of junior B. Um, and I'll watch a lot of junior A hockey as well, so CCHL, CCHL two. Um, you're always looking for players that uh, that that are free agents essentially. You know what I mean? Maybe that classic late bloomer um, kid who grows like five or six inches or develops like an extra gear in terms of speed um, is still interested in playing in the league, and per- perhaps that would be a player that you can bring into your program and be a really good contributor. So um, yeah, we definitely scout those leagues as well. And, um, whether they whether they go through the draft because they'd have to be added to the draft list, or if they just come in as free agents, that would be. I mean, if they're good enough and they can play, like you're always looking for to upgrade your roster, upgrade everybody. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's definitely it's definitely another part of it, and uh, it's a, definitely like an interesting interesting league to kind of take a look at as well. Yeah, absolutely. And is there something that you look for, like maybe you'll identify a kid? I know you said earlier that if you can skate, you can play in the OHL and all that, but will you identify maybe a player that might not want to take a risk on, if they might want to be a late bloomer, like you said, they might go NCAA routes or OHL, is there maybe a um, characteristic that you'll identify in a player thinking that, okay, they might be ready right away, we should take a shot on this player as opposed to someone else, and that's like no fault of your own, right? And you see a kid who's ready, you want to take a shot on that kid, and that's a part of projecting players, you don't know how they're going to pan out. Well, I think, I think that's the discussion you have to have essentially with with your with your scouting staff um, and your GM. Like at the time of the draft, like there's 15 rounds in the draft. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of players that are being selected. So so maybe maybe in a, in, at a certain point, this is a good time to take a chance, and you take a chance and. If it pays off, great. And if it doesn't pay off, well, then you know what I mean. Like you've you've got other players that you've scouted all year and you believe in, and they, they can fill a hole. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't see there's like if, if there is a player like 
there would have to be an intangible that you would find like interesting about them or you know what I mean or maybe if they decide yeah I don't want to go to school after all and play in the O and they're a highly touted kid take a shot you know what I mean you might as well take a swing I think so and I think that's the only way you move ahead if you're only just making conservative picks maybe maybe it doesn't pay off as well or you know, maybe it's a buster reward, but I, I think it's definitely with with that many rounds. I think there's an opportunity to take a chance on a few kids for sure. For sure, and like it's a low risk, high reward situation for you. And will you actually follow now NCAA if there is a player that was drafted by the Sioux Marie Greyhounds and might not be performing how they how they could in the OHL? Because that happens often, especially with American players that they they're drafted through the import draft and then they go to school. These are often high picks in the NHL as well, and then they'll come to the OHL. So is that about maybe the different pace of the game, NCAA versus OHL, whereas it's more systems in the OHL as opposed to, like, balls-to-the-wall speed in NCAA, that the fit might just not be there for that system? Yeah, well, it could be a lot of things. Like, like, you know, when you go to university, like, your first first year it's all about kind of finding your way anyways like even if you're not an athlete like you got to find your fit and maybe it's not a fit, great fit at that time um the american players uh like you know what i mean if they're highly touted and they just decide you know what like maybe i don't want to go to the school uh, i don't want to go to the school route maybe they get drafted by an nhl team before they start school and their nhl team decides you know what i mean i'd rather see you play junior than they, or or then play at, play at school for a couple of years. Maybe maybe they decide that route. So yeah, we definitely if there's kids that we've drafted, we'll definitely keep an eye on. If they're free agents and maybe they're not getting enough ice time, maybe we'll keep an eye on that as well. But it's uh, it's it's just it's it's all about like kind of staying with your players and kind of keeping tabs on them as uh, as you go. And yeah, it's it's I don't really know where else I was going on that yeah. point, but it's uh it's it's definitely something you definitely want to keep an eye on for sure. For sure, I know I'm throwing a lot at you here, but no, it's just yeah, I find. No, that's all right. Yeah. I find that's, that's interesting, question, though, that the Americans, in my opinion, kind of have an advantage when it comes to that, that they can go through the import draft, and most of them already have scholarships anyways, so it's kind of a pick and choose, and I don't know, I've heard that they're maybe changing that rule that if you go to an OHL camp and play a few games, you lose your NCAA eligibility, but are they changing that rule as far as you, you're, you're concerned or you know? Because I feel like that's a big advantage for Americans to, they go to school first, it doesn't work out, they can go to the OHL or whichever major junior team has drafted them, which I think that's an advantage for them. Yeah, well, first off, the Americans, they're not part of the the import draft, it's only the Europeans. Right, so, okay, well, anyways, you know what I mean, though, but thanks for keeping me accountable. Yeah, I'm not trying to sound like a know-it-all or anything, but I just wanted to make sure I keep everything like yeah. uh, like so I can, so I can understand it. For um, sure. Basically, so the American kids like New York, Michigan, Ohio, Wisconsin—they're all those are all like part of the OHL, and there's others: Tennessee, Florida—they all belong to the OHL territory, North Carolina, South Carolina, and you can draft those players in as part of the regular draft. Is it an advantage for the Americans? I, I wouldn't necessarily say so. If, you, if, you, if you've got a highly touted Canadian kid that, that wants to go to school and just decides after maybe a year they don't want to go, maybe they can come back. Um, right now, if they play a game, my understanding of the rule is that they, you would lose at least a year of eligibility in NCAA. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like showing up to camp and the 48-hour rule, I don't think there's any harm in, in testing it out. And I don't know if they're changing the rules or not. Um, that's kind of above my pay grade to have the conversation. I'm sure they'll tell me at some point, but really it's it's all about just giving them the exposure and i think that 48 hour rule kind of works good and if a kid's unsure or thinks that the ncaa is like 
this is the path for me, and then they go to OHL camp, I'm like, wow, this is pretty good hockey. Um, I know there's a few kids that I've talked to that may not be involved in our organization, but they, like, they're American kids, and I've known them from spring hockey, and, and they don't even know what the OHL is until they get drafted, and all of a sudden they get up there, and they're like, wow, I want to play up here. Like, this is right. This is legit. Like this isn't nothing about going to school and playing hockey. This is this is different. This is kind of like the closest thing you can probably get to playing pro before you start to be a pro player. So pro schedule, longer schedule, practices, that sort of thing. High high end coaching. So yeah, no, definitely. That's why like for some players, they say it's, it, they're better suited for that system. Like you look at someone like Brady Kachuk, for instance. People have been, were criticizing him for his, his stats, especially last year in college. But then if you compare, like, he may, might have not been made for that game. He might have thrived more in the OHL like his brother did. People have talked about his lack of scoring in the NCAA. But he's, he's doing much better at the pro level, NHL, which is a, a more similar game than he would have had in London if, had he gone that route. I think that's fair yeah. to say. Yeah, I, I think he probably would have scored more than eight goals had he played yeah. in London the last couple of years. But... Uh... It's tough too. Like you're you're coming in maybe as an 18 18 year old in NCAA and like I don't want to throw out an exact number here, but I think like most players coming in their first year NCAA are close to 20. So you play you're playing 20 to 24 year olds every yeah. night. That's there's a big difference. Like when you turn 20, maybe it's just all the beer that you start packing on. You start packing on weight, weight, but it's 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 a lot more. It's, it's it's tougher to play against men and then like than it is teenagers and Absolutely. I'm not saying it's a it's a better league in terms of quality of play it's just tougher yeah, to get like for Brady Kachuk I think it'd be tougher to get to the spots he needs to get to against bigger players you know what I mean a little bit older guests get to the front of the net bang bang pucks bang bodies you're playing against guys that are probably got like 20 30 pounds on you that's 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 going to be tough to do so I think his numbers probably would have been a little bit higher in the O and I think in the NHL where now he's a year older, he's a little more mature, he's probably watching what he eats a little bit better and like with, with nutritionists that they have there, and he could probably get to those spots and contribute a little bit more. So that's that that's pretty good uh, stat, actually, is, is how, he, how he was at the NCAA versus kind of how he is as a pro. And I think it's maybe a little bit easier for him now he's a year older, a little more mature. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and now it's interesting, though, you get a chance to watch a lot of these players when they're younger, going through, especially in the OHL and even before that, see their progression. Like someone you get to see, if you do watch Sioux games regularly or first of all? Yeah, I, I try to watch as many as possible. Um, I usually just log on to the OHL Live app and I watch them through there. But uh, last year, the Rogers package, but this year I decided not to go with it. But yeah, I watched quite a few. Okay, so you get to see like high picks like Barrett Hayton, who I don't know much of at all. Maybe you can enlighten us on some of the players they have right now, you know, pump your organization's tires and uh, what we can expect to see down the road maybe from some of these players. Yeah, well, like like a kid like Barrett, he was uh, the first draft that, we, that I was a part of in the Sioux. Um, he was the kid that we picked in the first round. Uh, just exceptional minor midget hockey player, and he's kind of taken off. So ever since he got to the Sioux, he's continued to progress. Obviously, everybody saw what he did at the World Juniors. Uh, very good player. Same with Morgan Frost, the, the two Greyhounds that played there. Um, and I think they just kind of show essentially how, how the, the Hounds like to play. Like, play with the hockey, play with speed, a lot of skill. Um, in terms of players that are coming, uh, there's a kid from uh, from Orleans, actually, Jacob Laguerre, who, who is uh, up for the draft this year. He's a 2000 age player. Um, he played in the 67s organization as well. He played uh, for the Rangers 
before they're now before they moved to Rockland, their U18 program. Right, yeah. And uh, he's he's another one of our defensemen. He's a uh, big, he's kind of physical player. Can really skate though. Um, and then Joe Carroll is another player from Carp this year. That's uh, that that is draft eligible. He played in the top prospects game. Um, big, six foot two, can really skate. Um, shoots the puck, has a pro release, and uh, can, is, is really good, probably going to impress a lot of people. Uh, he's impressed a lot of people the last couple of years, but could impress as he goes heads into the draft. Um, and then Cole McKay is another player from, uh, from Sault Ste. Marie, actually, and uh, he's, he's lit it up. He had a hat trick on the weekend against uh, against London, so he, I don't know. He's, he's another player that, that, should, that should, should go in the draft this year, and there's probably maybe one or two that can sneak in that's I'm slipping in my mind right now, but... Uh, um, yeah, there's some some great players within the organization, and then next year, um, next year we should have a couple more that, that should play in that top prospects game. Could get drafted very high. So, um, yeah, it's, it's great. It's, it's great to see the kids come in their first training camp, kind of wide eyed, and then like the next year they're up for the NHL draft, and then like yeah. a couple years after that, it's it's been neat because there's a couple players that I've seen as like 16, 17 year olds in my first camp, and then they've kind of rolled through training camp now, and now you don't see the same guys you see every year. You know what I mean? Like it's it's kind of fourth year now you you see the cycle through junior hockey and different players in and out new coaching staff this year but it's uh it's, it's really neat the culture never seems to change it's, it's it's always it's always the same it's the same environment and uh everybody just works extremely hard when they get to the rank so. yeah for sure and it's kind of crazy to see how quickly these kids nowadays like they'll play two or three years in the in major junior and then make the jump right away to the nhl and that was a good scouting scouting report, by the way, you just gave me. So now I know who to look for. Oh, thanks. Um, but yeah, like someone like Barrett Hayden, he played, if I'm not mistaken, two years in the OHL, got drafted. This is third year, probably going to make the jump next year to Arizona, depending on their holes in the lineup, which I could see him making that team, not following the team as close as you. But Morgan Frost, someone else who's probably might start the year on the AHL, then get a shot in Philly or something. So it's just crazy how development nowadays has ramped up on another level with technology, just the commitment to the game. Like the kids are learning to be pros at a super young age. Maybe just shed some light on how like an OHL organization prepares them for the next level, off the ice even. I think I think essentially like an OHL organization, it's it's their job to kind of prepare them to get to the next level. Not only try to win games in junior, but I think. Uh, that, that should be your goal is to, to move as many of your guys onto the pro pros as you can. Um, I think I think with those particular guys, like whether it's whether it's video, whether it's skill work, I think the coaching staff that was there last year and the and the and the guys that are there this year are like that's all they really talked about is getting players better. How do we get better? Like every time you talk to them or you talk to them after the game or see them in a social setting, that's all they talked about. This is what we're gonna do in the power play next year and this is this is where he's gonna fit in and this is the role he's gonna have and it's 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 really exciting to see the energy that they bring to the rink about getting their players that moved on to the next level. And so I think that's that definitely something that I think uh, like Barrett and Morgan have really latched onto. And there's other players that have that have gone through um, like Boris Kachuk the year uh, the year before he's playing in the AHL now. And, and uh, I think like Taylor Radish came through the organization towards the end of the year last year. He's another guy that's going to be a solid pro down the road. And it's just you put them in this atmosphere and give them all the tools they need to succeed as uh, both student athletes and then athletes afterwards. It's it's kind of a uh, it's, it's kind of great to see like the progression they come in. Yes, they come in highly skilled, highly talented, and they and you just kind of continue to work with them, continue to push them as hard as they want to go, and then it's up to them actually to show it on the ice and make the next step. Yeah, for sure. And do you think, in your opinion, now would kids be better served to do? 
four years minimum in the OHL before taking the next step on. Because sometimes the team will take a shot on a kid in his third year after he's been drafted, right? Do his uh, draft year plus one, then make the team. But you see players who sometimes, like Dylan Strong maybe, might have been disappointed to be sent down for his fourth year, lit it up in the O, and now look at him, change of scenery in, in Chicago is doing wonders for him. Like people were questioning him so much, like just shitting on him for being the third overall, third overall pick. I don't know, there's also the pressure that comes with that, all, seeing all the guys go after you get drafted and what was a stack draft as well. But it's just, it's, it's good to see someone who had these high expectations on him that he didn't make the NHL as fast as his peers did. Just, you know, just got to trust the process. So fourth year might not be the worst thing in the world for some of these players, even someone who went as high as Strom did, just for example. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think with Strom too, like, like I'm, I'm really happy to see what he's done in Chicago. Like, I don't know the kid, but, like, getting picked third, and then everybody's been crapping on him about Marner get, being a better player than him. Yeah. But, I mean, I think Strom, like, is showing that, like, there's a reason why he's picked third overall. Um, in terms of what's best for guys' development, like, I don't I don't really know what what, 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 what the best pattern is. It's, it's up to every – it's up to the – pretty well the NHL team, I think, essentially, is, is – what they need to decide what's best for their development and what they want to put in their players or where they're at or where their best fit is is is, is play in the AHL and play play junior up play their uh, overage year in the in the OHL who knows like it's it, like you said development it, it's a funny thing like you might not hit really hit until you're about 23 24 and you see guys come out of the A and have solid years after that or you know what I mean like it's it's it, it, development, especially make, making that jump in the NHL, is kind of a weird thing because you got to think too. There's guys there that are not really want to give up their jobs either, right? Yeah. Like that's their livelihood, and they don't want to be going over playing different leagues. They want to stick, and it's it's tough. And a lot of times you see you hear guys that come in and are over ready. They've been playing in the NHL for a while. Like I know Nashville was big on that for a while. Like none of their players were too. going straight to the NHL. They're all going to go play in the AHL for a couple of years. They're going to be over ripe, and they're going to come in. And guys like Roman Yossi and Summer right. and uh, like even Shea Weber had to take a turn in the AHL too. You know, even before he got up to Nashville's main lineup, and like you can't argue with some of those results. So I think it's all about kind of finding the right formula and the right tool for for each player, and, and it's it's never an exact science. So um, whether they whether they come back to the OHL for next year, great, and, and if if their team thinks they're ready to make the step in the NHL, awesome. But I think. Uh, I think it's one or the other. Like, like I think it's a great rule that they, they can't play in the AHL at 19. They gotta they gotta either play in the NHL or go back to junior. And I think that's kind of kind of kind of saves a lot of guys from getting into a situation where like the minors is tough. From from what I understand, it's a lot tougher than playing in the NHL. You're riding the bus. You're playing three and threes. Um, and uh, like guys want everybody wants to make it. So it's like everything's every game's an audition too, right? So it, it, it's got to be a grind. Yeah, that's interesting though that you think that. The, you get you can only play in the AHL by the time you're you're going on 21, I believe is the rule, or you have to have played four years of major junior because that's yeah. something that's been contentious now that people have been wanting to change, especially like star players who get drafted in the first round. They play their draft plus one year, kill it, like Marner for instance. Then it was either yeah. he plays in the NHL or goes to the OHL again, where he might have been he would have maybe been past that league essentially. So it's interesting that you think that. They should they should keep it that way. Also good for revenue for the OHL teams, right? Of course, they don't want to lose their players, and yeah. I get that for sure. But I feel like that's interesting. 
Yeah, no, like de- definitely, it'll help your OHL teams as well. But uh, and keep yeah. the quality of play high. But um, I like it's hard to argue with Marner that they made a mistake after what he's he's no, been doing, definitely. right? Like, who knows? Maybe gets gets sent to the AHL and like gets beat on for a while, or coach makes him change his game, and maybe he's not the same player. Like, I think whether we draft a player that high, especially with the dynamic skill set that Mitch Marner has, you want him to play with pace. You want him to make plays. You want him to make mistakes. You know what I mean? Kind of play carefree and just develop that that skill set and I think I think the way the Leafs handled it was, was, was actually really really good with him like you could have rushed him into a situation where maybe it's not conducive to, to his development and I don't know it's, it's that's a tough one but like I'm sure there's other guys that are like man I'm just wasting a year here playing junior and for sure but who knows like case by case I, but I, I think I, I think it's it's beneficial to play on the year junior in, in my opinion at least yeah. no I can see that for sure and it, you can't really get into all the what-ifs and all that, like, scenarios. It just, whatever happens, happens, right? And I think everything happens for a reason as well for these players. You just put in the commitment, the hard work, and eventually you'll get rewarded. Like, coming back to Strom. And um, with Marner especially, in his first year in the NHL, you saw him maybe be a little more hesitant on making plays. As I watched him in his draft year, like, when some of the London games were televised, I could watch what he could do in the OHL, and he was just dancing around people. Like, it was effortless for him like the magicians what they called them right so and now we're starting to see him do that at the nhl level so the great players like the exceptional players just always find a way and it's just fun to watch nowadays and i think that's why these new kids are starting to get like they break the bank after their entry level contract yeah. it's ridiculous i'm like before it was more about you do the bridge deal then you earn your big money like kane taze did right now it's going to be interesting to see this summer. I don't know how close are you following these these players nowadays who are putting up insane numbers coming out of their entry level deals, and now we're going to be making these huge contracts, even tying teams' hands together. Like the Leafs, can't very interested to see what they're going to do there. Yeah, like I don't know. I'm not I'm not an accountant by any stretch. I don't know how Dubis is going to fit everybody under the cap there, but. Uh... Like you got to think Marner's going to get paid too, and then they've got other guys that they're going to have to pay. I know Jake Gardner, whether fans like him or not, is a different story. But he's a, he's a great hockey player too, and he's going to get paid whether it's in Toronto or somewhere else. So in order to keep that roster together, I think you, you're going to have to get pretty creative with it. But yeah, you're definitely right. Like these guys, these kids that are just it, it's amazing how skilled the kids are, and that's that's something that like when you're working with the younger kids, it's just like what they can do now. Like. I've got six-year-olds in IP that are shooting like the Merrick Malik between the legs on breakaways <laughs> and stuff, and I remember trying that at like 12 on the ODR and just falling right on my face. And Ew, just, I still can't it, pull it, that it, off, it's so am- it's all it's, good. It's amazing what they can do, and you know what I mean? Maybe they deserve it, and the way the, the salary cap's structured now, and it's kind of a young man's game in the NHL, it's, you might as well take get your money when you can get it, and you know what I mean? Like, a lot of guys are hitting their 30s are really falling off, right? Like, so you might as well. It's pretty well like a 20-year-old's league now in the NHL. You don't see these guys that hang on like your your Yagers or Solanis that are still putting up big numbers and later on in their, their 30s and 40s. There's all, like, a few guys like Joe Thornton, um, yeah. who's also a Greyhounds alumni, is, is still hanging on and playing pretty well. But it's, it's, it's a different mix too, right? Yeah, and that's definitely someone that um, by no means am I a San Jose fan, and they've always just been around. But for someone like Thornton, especially I guess for you, because the Sioux Greyhound alumni, I didn't know that maybe an extra incentive to make maybe want him to win this year because might be his last. Right, and it's great to say that we've seen all these great players like a Crosby Ovechkin who are starting to leave their primes. Right, but then we've got this new wave of kids coming, and even more of them are coming. So it's just like I think it's just an unbelievable time 
to be a hockey fan. Like, are there any teams in the NHL now that you're rooting for, individuals maybe more, Greyhounds alumni? <laughs> yeah, well, like, Thornton I've always been a big fan of. Like, I, I, he, uh, when he played in the Sioux growing up, he was billeted by one of my best friends. So, like, I, I got to know him a little bit off the ice. So he's kind of always been one of those guys that you cheer for and you want to see him do well. Um, the fact that he went first overall in the NHL draft, too, in his year was just, that was incredible. Like, the fact, like, I was sitting on the couch watching hockey games with him and playing Sega Genesis NHL 97 with that guy, and then oh, he gets wow. picked first overall in the NHL draft. It's a pretty cool story. But, uh, yeah, like, I'd love to see him win a cup. Um, in terms of, like, teams, like, I'm, I don't really cheer for anybody. Like, I like I like following, like, guys that I know a little bit or or something like that. But I always I grew up a Leafs fan. I know living in Ottawa, I've taken a lot of abuse over the years, so it's, uh, it's kind of nice to see things turn around for them. But... But for the for the community for the city, I like to see the stands turn around as well too. But I don't think we have enough time to get into what's going on in that organization. Yeah, and I've already done this before on other podcasts, so we don't need to beat that dead horse. All right, sounds sounds good. Yeah, but I'd love to see them turn it around, and I think it's going to be patient. And they got some good pieces like Thomas Shabbat's coming, and you know what I mean. And Brady Kachuk, I think, is a really good one. Um, you can debate the merits whether if they had missed out on a Jack Hughes, what that would have done for the organization, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, but in, honestly, man, in my opinion, I think at the time you had to take that pick. I would not have wanted to see them say, no, we'll take the pick next year because that's basically selling your fan base on, we're going to be horrible. And the players yeah, as yeah. well, right? And the players, in my opinion, I don't think none of them want to lose, right? They're competitive athletes. Like even us playing beer league, that's the last thing we want to do is lose. And uh, we won't get compensated yeah. with the first overall pick, so it's not the same thing, but you know what I mean. So I think yeah, you had well, to take the pick. Well, I, I agree with you. Like, you're in a real tough spot there. Like, like you got to sell season tickets. you got to sell your fans. You're like, we're going to trade arguably our best player that we ever had away, and now we're going to be like, we're going to be real bad, and hopefully this... And then, I don't know, with their luck with lotteries, like, maybe they don't even pick first overall, you know what I mean? Like, the Kako yeah. kid from Finland's pretty good, but maybe, maybe you don't win the lottery and you miss out on it anyways. Yeah. You've went through a whole year of misery, and I think it'd be tough to get. I think it'd be real tough to fill the rank then. You know what I mean? You'd have to get really creative with tickets or anything like that. But Absolutely. yeah, I think I, I agree. And Brady Kachuk's a pretty good player. Like it's it's not like they're like they just got some like guy that was like a hit or miss guy. He's gonna be a really good player in the league. So yeah, for sure. And uh, so, are you actually following up the players for the NHL draft as well, or do you mostly focus on just a circle back there scouting? You mostly focus on OHL scouting. I'll take a look at the uh, centrals list too. So it's it's all guys that like that are coming out of the OHL that like that if they could be drafted. They're all guys that you scouted in their minor midget year as well. So you you've looked on them, you've got reports on them, and you've kind of seen how they've developed on other teams. And obviously, like I'd like it if all our draft eligibles would be all first rounders. Uh, that'd be yeah. great. But it's it, it'd be it'd be awesome to see like to see, see see kids go, and uh, especially like so, some of the kids that. that that have come out of like personally that have come out of the Ottawa area that end up playing on the Greyhounds like like that would be really cool to see them um, like Laguerre played for me uh, a little bit in minor Bantam um, as an affiliate player and then uh, Joe Carroll played for me at the OHL Gold Cup and the OHL Cup as well so um, I, I, I know those guys off the ice they're great kids and I, I'd love to see them get dropped in the NHL whether it's first round pick or anywhere in the, in the seven rounds I'm mean, going to be super happy and they'll be getting a text from me I'm sure in terms of priority of reply, it'll be way down the list, but that's that's okay yeah. too. So. Yeah, for sure. You'll still be on the list, though. Um, so no, yeah, it's oh, cool. yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure I'll get a thanks, Barb's at some point. But no, it's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Like I I, re- I really want to see them do well, and 
there's a couple other kids that I've, that I've coached along the way that, that, that are up for the draft as well. And whether they were with the Greyhounds or not, like you're always their coach, right? And they always see you around the rink and like that's the first thing they call you as coach and, yeah. or barbs or anything like that. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty neat to see actually. And it's kind of, it, it's nice to know that uh, you still have a bit of a connection even if they're playing somewhere else or you haven't talked to them a little bit. As soon as you run into them, that's the first thing you hear. So For sure. And that's great. cool, all the connections you make. And now it's also translating well into, uh, it's funny how you start off being interested in teacher's college, then it went to coaching path, and now fatherhood, like all coming full circle. And those are all experiences that help you in that domain. Like your kids are six now, you said? Yeah, they just they just turned seven. So seven, yeah, yeah, a couple weeks ago. But uh, yeah, the six-year-olds is pretty well hockey. So our group is pretty well all six-year-olds out in Oscarito. So it's uh, pretty neat. Six-year-olds are, are a fun age to coach, that's for sure. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's cool seeing like kids you've coached a while ago and then maybe having beers with them later like a Lanzer, you know eh. just seeing people like that again it's pretty cool and just it's hockey the hockey communities are really it's a small world at the end of the day like when i found you on facebook i saw that you were mutual friends with them so then talked to him about you and uh, yeah nothing but yeah. good things to say so it's just really cool to see how those connections just last a lifetime and never know how everyone's gonna meet up down the road and stuff it's just really cool I think it's one Absolutely. of those sports that like, just everyone comes together. Like in beer league too, you don't need much. Like you need an extra player on your team, shows up for one game, next year he's on your team for the full year, right? Like met so many people yeah. just like that. It's awesome. That's what's great about the game is like you just you, you forge friendships. Like uh, it doesn't matter. Like you, you play on the same team or you play against somebody. One year you could hate their guts, and then the next year they're on your team, and you're yeah. you're going into a scrum trying to fight for them. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's really cool to see like. That 96 age group is kind of like my first like my first year really coaching uh, an age group for a while. So I had them a major peewee. I had Lancer major peewee. I had a minor bantam the year after. And it's, it's neat now. Like those kids, like you'll bump into them and they'll be having beers on a patio or something like yeah. that. And you're like, I, I remember when you were coming in talking about Pokemon cards. And now <laughs> yeah. you're just like, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm still trying to get them to come play for one of my, like I played in the Richcroft Senseplex League. If you need a uh, yeah. sub, I might ask him to come. And if you want to watch, maybe you'll find some talent there. Who knows? Like, Sue might need somebody. <laughs> a good second pair left D hit me up, you know? But, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll let you know if we get into the super overage club, too. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Lanzer, Lanzer's game, he, he could flat out fly. Like, he... Uh, he didn't like going in the corners too much, but he could flat out fly and open ice, and he had really good hands too. So yeah, he'd be a good add for your team for sure. Yeah, uh, he hasn't played in a while. He tells me, but no, it's just fun to see. Like, it doesn't take much to get together with guys over for hockey there, and in that community you're in, like you're seeing people who are gonna take go to the next level, hopefully, right for the Sioux, and um, seeing them from the time that they're like 13. Would you say you even scout when they're 13 years old? Or you mostly focus on 15 in that draft year. Um, I don't like. I know some guys will pay a lot of attention to, to, to bantam. Um, I don't. I don't really pay a lot of attention to it personally. Um, I think uh, you're going to see the guys enough at 15 that if you're going to watch them when they're they're 13, 14, like a lot can change. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, a lot sure. can change for, for any te- any teenager, but like year to year. You know what I mean? So I I don't pay a ton of attention to it. Like obviously. Um, like if kids really lighten it up, like you know what I mean. Like you maybe able to take a peek at a game or something like that, but that, like I won't really write anything in terms of report that this guy's a can't miss guy because you're gonna see him probably 15, 20, 25 times the next year, and that's when you make your assessment. And okay. You got enough kids. You got enough kids to watch when they're 15. So. Yeah, definitely. I might have asked you this before, but like, what exactly does your assessment look like? Like, how often is it that you're actually reporting 
to the head of scouting, let's say? Is it a nicely written document of a couple of pages long, blurb for each player of interest? Like, what did, what does a typical scouting report look like? Um, well, we use, and I believe every OHL team uses, and I think NHL teams, Junior A teams all use, it's called uh, RankNet. It's uh, scouting software. Um, it's designed by Hockey Tech, I think. And basically what that is, is every time I, I see a game, um, we've got a certain amount of attributes that we rate in terms of a, a number system, and then you, you'll make a comment on how the kid played that game, um, what you liked about his game, and then maybe just a general description of how that player is. So if somebody else goes to see that player in a tournament or sees them um, or sees them in another spot they uh, like they can kind of get a sense of what you thought of them and that sort of thing and then like there's a lot of texting back and forth uh, between scouts and who you liked and oh I saw you like that guy that sort of thing so it's kind of kind of need to build a conversation but pretty well every game I watch I'll write a report on it and then some of your kids that you've really identified that you're interested in you'll, you'll write lots of reports on mm-hmm. like I've got about 20 reports on some kids right now so very right, cool. And has that changed the way you watch the game to begin with? Like when you're watching an NHL game now, are you seeing someone like now to bring it back to another like younger star player like a Sebastian Aho? Have him on my fantasy team, absolute legend. Um, are you are you noticing stuff that they might do and try to pinpoint that and try to get the kids that you're scouting to incorporate that in their game? Maybe. Um, no, it's not something I really like. When I when I watch the game, um, I, I, it's it's hard to turn off. Like uh, to be honest with you, like I find I'm just evaluating like how a guy skates or something like that. I'm trying to break down like his shot, and then you're like, if you're just watching a game with your kids, you're like, okay, just like turn it off for yeah, a second. Okay. You're just trying to see if they'll score or not. But uh, no, like I think like I think it's an unfair comparison, especially watching younger kids to try to compare them to NHL players. Like you always trying to pigeonhole or like uh like put a guy into a specific like role or type of player like i know pierre mcguire's famous for that he's a young peter forsberg let's say for about pretty well every player that lights it up the world juniors back in the day but it's i think it's i think it's tough like i think you can kind of model your game after somebody or guys play similar but i think everybody's a little bit different too so i don't really let it affect me that much but like definitely when i'm just watching a game in the social setting i gotta try to turn my brain off a little bit so yeah, they don't all want to hear your scouting reports, and uh, they just want to have a beer and oh, watch the yeah. game. No, I, yeah, my, 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 my wife just tells me, she's like, I don't really want to hear it. It doesn't matter to <laughs> yeah. me. She's like, I don't care, so just keep it to yourself. So I'm pretty good at just not saying anything, but you're like, definitely if I'm sitting there at the Sens game, I'm, I'm breaking down like what their coaches are doing or something like that, just in my head, just because it's, 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 it's been part of my life, right? Like, ever since I was 22, that's pretty well all I did was like, coach hockey or now I'm scouting or coaching the boys it's just that's that's what I do and I try to try to get better pretty well everybody I talk to so for sure but no man it's been it's been great having you here thanks a lot for doing this it's been awesome for me like it's the first time I'm talking to someone that I don't know personally that I've never met before right hopefully uh got a fan of the podcast now and uh, looking forward to yeah I'm sure definitely definitely listening from now on and then Hopefully my podcast goes better than Mark's did, and uh, <laughs> go from there. Quick job there. Well, thanks a lot for joining me, man. Um, <laughs> he, he's, he's, he's like, I don't know what you call it. He's like my brother-in-law, right? So you got to get some jabs in on him. So Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, thanks a lot. Yeah, if you need anything else, let me know. All right, we'll do, man. Well, thanks a lot for joining me, and uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, stay tuned for episodes dropping every two weeks. And uh, Kyle, I'll talk to you later, man. Yeah, thanks a lot, Eric. Take care, man. See you.